This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and after a month-long hiatus, I am here with Dr. Susan Kleiner. So um, just to kind of touch everybody, we're having a little bit of internet issues. We might, um, this actually might not make the air, so we'll see. But Susan, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can, you know, meet up with you and, and, and buy your stuff and, and go from there. This place is... Uh, Dr. Susan, oh, excuse me. <laughs> where, is, where am I? What is my website? DrSKleiner.com. Wow, we're being, we've been closed in for way too long. Yes. So DrSKleiner.com is my website. I'm at PowerEat on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Dr. Susan Kleiner on Facebook. So obviously, I think most people know who I am, but if you don't, I'm Paul Nobles. I'm the owner and founder of Eat to Perform. And basically, everything sort of started with my transformation that was using food as an ally, which is something that Susan and I both believe in a, in a powerful way. Um, we are still doing free trials. We uh, have been able to help a lot of people during a very difficult time. I am super proud of that. Um, I've been doing some interesting stuff on social media. One of the things that we're going to be talking about here is um, this poll that I did that was talking about what would be best and uh, calorie point to start at in terms of getting the most weight loss over time. And so we'll do that. But first, I'm going to talk a little bit, of, and I don't know if I mentioned it, but www.eatperform.com or you can go to any of our pages on Instagram or Facebook and you'll be able to contact a coach and a coach will talk to you and tell you what the plan would actually be like. So it's pretty cool. All right. So I wanted to open this up because uh, my brother-in-law passed away um, under very difficult circumstances. Um, and I wanted to kind of go back into a, a memory because both Susan and I are very science friendly. And one of the things that sort of happens with people that get scared is they don't really embrace kind of the message that they, they, they need to embrace and oftentimes um, kind of look for a narrative that fits what their fear is or whatever their you know, belief is or something of this nature. So my brother-in-law um, and my wife went to, so I had been doing CrossFit for about a year. And so this is 10, 11 years ago now, right? Um, and my wife, I stayed out of it with my wife. I knew not to talk to her about it, but the, she would show up at my CrossFit for a lot of reasons. And the gals at the CrossFit talked her into joining. And so the first class, she went with my brother-in-law, and that was the first sign that there was something really bad going on. He would have been right around 60 at that time. And um, in the warm-up, he could not make it through the warm-up, and he was really struggling. At that time, uh, he was, you know, very overweight um, and certainly needed to do something about it. Um, and he got a very clear message. This is sort of why I'm saying this. 
he got a very clear message that he needed to do something fast and he did not listen to it. Um, my wife did. My wife has been crossfitting with me this whole time, you know, and, and not only, well, my wife is funny because my wife's never really been unhealthy. My wife's always eaten well. My wife's always, you know, gotten great marks. My wife is a, is a, a Swedish farm girl from Minnesota, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, when she goes to the doctor, she gets all the right readings. You know, she's always up on, you know, I mean, it took me a while to embrace salads. She's always had embraced salads. But my wife's also, you know, like I said, she's a Swedish mom girl. You know, she's, she's, uh, she's beautiful in that she is a very curvy uh, woman. Um, I don't know how to describe my wife other than the fact that she's just awesome, but she's not like this smaller person, right? And that's, I'm not saying that with any disrespect to someone that is smaller, right? Susan's smaller, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but Susan would look at my wife and go, that's a Swedish farm girl, <laughs> right? And that's just, there's just some things that are what they are. And my wife was built very similar to my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law got this message uh, that, that he needed to, to do something. And um, in a large part, I had started to get fit. And I also got a similar message. My, I, was, I was just getting fit. But you know how, you know, you just start like mixing in a salad once a week. And, you know, like I, I was a very unfit person at that time. I was 255 and I was finally going to do something about my weight and, and really started to look at, you know, the, the long-term view that ultimately became Eat to Perform. And what happened for me was that my uncle died of um, heart disease, right? Um, he had had triple bypass, um, and he never really got to a place where he did anything beyond the triple bypass and he died, right? And I remember saying to my nieces and cousins and, and all these people as we were down there in the funeral, and I was like, why don't, why don't we just all go for a walk to celebrate Uncle Ellis's, you know, thing? And, and, and this will be our way of showing that we heard the message of Uncle Ellis. And, you know, for right or wrong, a lot of people didn't want to do it. You know, they were, they were dealing with grief and things of this nature, and many of them were going to start on Monday. They didn't start on Monday, right? Many of them are still struggling with their health, and they, they did not figure it out. And what I said at that moment, and I said, well, Uncle Ellis got heart disease, got him on a day that wasn't a Monday. So I'm going for a walk right now, right? And I would love it if you joined me. And no one did, right? And in that way, I think exercise has to be about you. It can't be about your workout partner. It can't be about all these different things. So Ron got this message that he was going to need bypass surgery also, right? And so I'd been through it with my uncle and we were pleading to Ron that um, it was something that he really needed to take seriously. And he was trying to deal with it um, with diet and exercise. 
the problem that you run into with your heart is that if you cannot get your heart rate up, right, without without dealing with severe consequences, um, that's a really scary sign, right? And no amount of undereating is going to fix that. In fact, undereating in a lot of ways makes it worse because you're going to be weaker as a result of that, you know, and you know, just seeing his calories, you know, we were on his computer and his calories were ridiculously low. They were like 1300 as someone with a heart condition, who's really just walking for exercise. Now I will say this in, in, in Ron's defense, he took it seriously. He did try things within his own means, but he, the doctor, when the doctor saw the information, the doctor was like, we need to get the scheduler in here and we need to do something right now. And three years later, he died in his kitchen alone. And I just want to say to everyone listening to this, if you think this is about abs for me, you're wrong. You don't know me. You don't know why I do this, right? You don't know why I care. And I mean, Ron was such a great person. And, and whenever I needed Ron for something, he would always be there. He was, he was not, you know how like you, you ask somebody to go to Mardi Gras with you or you ask somebody to go and they're like, oh, that would be great. Let's do it. And they never do it. Ron did it, right? And he was great in that regard. And, and he was a great friend to me and he was a great friend um he was a grandfather figure my my um my wife's parents were much older they passed away um and and ron was their de facto grandfather i had never got to see a kid movie ever ron took them to every single one no joke right and part of it was because Ron really, really likes animated movies, right? And he really, um, he needed a reason to go, right? And so he would always drag my daughters in into this thing. But, but Ron was a victim of Google. And many of you listening to this are a victim of Google. You want to paint this narrative that fits what you want in that moment right? And I'm just going to tell you, I lost a hundred pounds. It took two years. It takes a while. You're going to have to figure things out. But most of all, you're going to have to do some really hard shit. Some things that are really, really scary. And Ron needed to have the surgery and he didn't because it scared him, you know? And, and now we have to pick up the pieces without Ron because he was scared, right? And if you're Googling WebMD for weight loss and things of this nature, I'm just going to tell you, if you have a lot of weight to lose, it's a monumental task, right? I see all these advertisements and all these people that are telling you that you can lose weight without exercise. And to a certain extent, they're not wrong. You will lose weight without exercise but you will become less of a human being without exercise. 
when you have exercise in the mix, you have two tools at your disposal, right? And so when you look at the way we do it, the way that Susan talks about it, things of this nature, you become more of a human being that way, right? You have to spend less time focused on the outcome that you want immediately and then focus more on the, the enormous change that has to happen one by one by one by one by one, right? Otherwise, you'll never get there. And if there gets to be a stage, there were certainly was for me, where you got fit enough to where you could have abs, great. That is awesome for you. I, it, one of the best blessings that I have is that as a fit person, I can look in the mirror and, you know, when things get out of line a little bit, I am able to kind of get things in line. But that's not why I started. That's not why it's important. And I'm just telling you that if you are overweight at the moment, your problem isn't just weight. It's what you can do and how much you can do over time, right? It's about living longer. It's about living a full life, right? It's about embracing things that you don't know. And I'm just going to tell you, Susan and I are pretty smart but we're overwhelmed and we're confused. So if we're overwhelmed and confused and we have all the resources we have you know, available to us, certainly you're going to feel that way. Your life needs to be a level of learning that you have not considered up to this point. You are where you are right now and it's no big deal. Just keep moving forward, keep focusing on the bigger picture as it relates to health and longevity and stop it with the immediate want that isn't always scientific and isn't always going to be, you know, um, allow you to have the, the best result, right? And so I just wanted to say that, that little piece, um, I'm actually gonna move right into the other one. I don't know if you wanna say anything about it, Susan, um, you're certainly more than welcome to. Um. Well, I just, a couple of things, and um, I did freeze, so I'm wondering if I should turn my video off so we well, can let's, let's stay, just stay with the let's just stay with the video right now and then we'll Okay, so a couple of things. I get called all the time, people asking me to create a weight loss diet for them, and they don't like to exercise, they don't want to exercise, and I don't. Um, agree to that because to me, the great satisfaction for me and my job is creating lasting change for people. And as certainly as Americans and more and more worldwide, we are experts at going on diets to go off of them. And while the data may show that you can lose weight on a, on a restrictive calorie diet, you can't maintain weight loss on that restrictive calorie diet. The way all of the research shows that the people who maintain weight loss have included exercise. And when we interview people from the weight loss registry, which means they've lost, I think, a minimum of 50 pounds plus and kept it off for a minimum of at least two years, I think that's the requirement for the registry. Every single one unanimously says, I exercise religiously um, and I never miss my exercise and it has been the thing that has helped me. 
the thing for me that I see when I say to people, um, I need you to start to exercise before I can work with you because otherwise it's just a lie that this is going to be something worthwhile for you. Um, I see maybe some fraction of that number in over 30 plus years of working with folks, you know, maybe 10% of the people who call me and ask that question do what I ask them to do, which is start to exercise a minimum of three times a week for a minimum of three months and then call me back. I don't care if you get a dog and you start walking that dog, whatever it is, start doing it a minimum of three times a week. Those small numbers of people who call me back three months later are already a success. They have seen themselves as failures all these years and they've never thought they would ever exercise. And now what they've shown themselves is that they've, and I help them, some of them, I give them a, the local Y phone number or a personal trainer that I work with or walking trails or cyclists in their neighborhood, uh, you know, community groups, whatever. I help them find that and I say, find what you like, not what you think you're supposed to do. And so, what happens is when they call me, they are a completely different person than the person who called me the first time. They have a different brain because their brain now has been exercising and we know that exercise physiologically changes your brain. They see themselves as a success story, not as a failure any longer and changing their diet they already are good at. So now they come at the nutritional changes from a, a, a a place of success rather than failure. And now they have embraced themselves and see that even as the person at the size that they were or the health status that they were, they can do something. They don't have to wait until they lose weight to call themselves someone who exercises, to see that they might be an athlete, to do things I, I worked with a 60-year-old woman who had never lifted a weight in her life. She came, she got to a gym, 60 pounds overweight at 57 years old. The trainer happened to have been, she'd never been in a gym before in her life. The trainer happened to have been a, a, a successful strongman and said to her, have you ever lifted weights? And she said, no. He said, well, let me show you. Three years later, she was the, a national champion, gold medalist, Olympic weightlifter. She came to me and she had lost 40 pounds just by doing what she was doing. So she started out as an athlete, 60 pounds overweight. She internally was an athlete, never thought of herself that way. At 62 years old, she became a world champion, master's level Olympic weightlifter. So, so the idea that I have to wait until X happens before I start to do anything. And so I have to restrict and restrict and restrict rather than add and add and add. Do the positive, the, the positive messaging both in your head versus the negative messaging of restriction it, we know clinically, we have research data, changes the way your brain works, the way your self-talk. And so the idea that I have to restrict until I can finally go exercise because I can't exercise like this, well, then don't call it exercise. Call it something else, but move. So one of the things I always say is calories won't take you all the way there. 
right? As someone that lost a, a lot of weight, right? Um, activity was a big part of it. One thing that I definitely want to circle back on though is the surgery part, right? As a unfit person, I don't know what it's like. I don't, I, no one told me that I was going to have to have my ribs cracked and that they were going to have to, to basically halt my life to do a surgery, right? I don't know what that's like. And I'm sure that that was really scary for Ron. And I was sure that was really scary for my uncle when he did it and, and, and things of this nature. But there is this narrative related to exercise, related to doctors. Doctors are getting such a horrible narrative on the internet. And I'm just saying to you, look, I get it. You're scared, right? And, and you know, the world is not pure. Of course, you can find incidents where somebody did something wrong at one point, right? But when, and, and oh, by the way, my brother-in-law was literally trying every single thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was evidence that, that, that he was using, you know, um, diuretics and fat burners and things of this nature, right? Because he was focused more on the weight part, thinking that that would help his health. And oh, by the way, he did everything you said, every single thing you said, but, but it didn't fix his heart problem, right? right. right? He needed surgery. Right. You can't and, and, reverse that level of disease. Yeah. And, and, and if you're listening to this and you don't have these problems, use this as the springboard to go, you know what? I'm not going to leave my family, you know, abandoned. They need me. They love me. People that love me, you know, want me around. And so I just think, you know, Calories won't take you all the way. And ultimately, that's not really who you want to be anyway. You want to be the grandma that can get the kids out of the car seat. And maybe some of these things you're not even thinking of at this point. But as a 51-year-old man with teenage daughters, I think of what the next 10 years are going to be like, what the next 30 years are going to be like for me. We were robbed of 15 to 20 years of my brother-in-law because he was scared and he spent too much time on the internet reading things that he should not have been reading, right? That were just confusing him. And, and I just say, you know, rest in peace, Ron, uh, is just way too soon. And, and the, just the circumstances of how things went down, luckily, you know, it seemed sudden. Um, so it wasn't like this just long drawn out thing for him. Um, but I'm going to tell you this, you know, and I'm going to tell you something about me that you need to know. And I want you to embrace if you can. I'm not going to be the one. I will not be the one that did not take action. I'm going to be the action person. And I need everybody to write that down. You know, be an action person. Don't don't let things happen to you. You have to do the hard thing. You have to do the scary thing. And the people selling you the easy thing, they're not your friend. 
right? Your friend tells you the hard thing. Your friend and the people that love you tell you to get the surgery because they want you in their life. The people that you're listening to telling you all the easy stuff, they're not your friends, right? And so I need you to know that. All right. So I want to get- I have to interrupt you on one thing. Go ahead. There's a wonderful book called The Art of Fear. And the author is Kristen Ulmer, U-L-M-E-R. And Kristen, for over a decade, was the world's greatest athlete in dangerous sports. So crazy things, you know, um, helicopter skiing off of cliffs and and cliff all anything that was the craziest thing it could be. She was in all combined the greatest athlete for almost a decade. And she then went into studying fear and anxiety and has done research and now has, has written, she's kind of a thought leader on this. And her whole approach is completely different than what you usually hear, which is that there's kind of a war on fear and anxiety. You want to to combat it, you want to fight it. And she is, she says you need the reason that great athletes can accomplish great things is because they embrace their fear and anxiety. They are not fearless. The people who are fearless don't become great. People who truly are great embrace the fear. That's where they find, that's where they get into the zone. But you don't have to be an athlete. She's talking to anybody. And it is, it, it's, she's very good and very impressive. I have to say, I haven't read the book, but I've heard her speak on several other podcasts. Um, look her up because it applies to all of us. Every single one of us has anxiety and fear. We are in a tough time right now. And, and it is in the, it is in the, the embracing the fear, because the fear is a natural emotion. All animals have fear and it's a survival mechanism. They, they recognize it and they embrace it. And that is what she talks about and how to, to help yourself learn in the midst of it. And, and what, so, what was the name of the book? The Art of Fear. Okay. So with The Art of Fear, we're going to actually end this portion. And, and it, it might end up being a pause. But we are having some internet issues. So I want to stop because we have a good recording there. And just in case we have some issues going forward. So just hang with us one second. 